Welcome to Automotive Cybersecurity Talk from the experts at S-Script, leaders in securing automotive embedded systems. Each episode, we cover anything and everything from the evolving world of vehicle cybersecurity. Sit back, enjoy, and let us know what you think. Welcome to the Automotive Security Talk podcast. My name is Karina, and I'm very happy to be the host of another episode of our podcast. Um, today, we will talk about automotive Ethernet, which has been around in the industry for a couple of years already, I believe. But for me, it still feels pretty new. So I am very curious to learn more about automotive Ethernet, um, also how it plays together with um, EE architectures, with evolution of architectures. And maybe most interesting for us, how to secure um, Ethernet architectures. To help me and also our listeners understand more about that topic, I have invited not only one, but two experts today. Ladies first, uh, we have Ramona Young, Young on the podcast, who is our lead topic leader for automotive network security within the ETAS group. And our second guest is Jan Holle, the lead product manager for our IDPS solutions. Welcome, Ramona and Jan. Thanks, Karina. Hello. Nice to be here. It's very nice to have you on, on the podcast. I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about this topic. Um, before we dig into it, maybe you want to uh, say a little bit about yourself and what, what your experience is and what you're doing with Escript. With um, I said it already, ladies first. Maybe, Ramona, you want to start? <laughs> Sure. Uh, thank you very much. So I'm working at Escrow for a very long time now. It's um, nearly 10 years and I started uh, there as um, a security engineer. But um, then I realized that automotive um, security is a really hot topic and a very interesting topic. And so I specialized in automotive um, security and um, especially in automotive network security. I'm responsible um, or project manager and um, security manager of different um, projects um, to ensure that the vehicle or um, dedicated ECUs are really um, secured. And um, I consult um, both OEMs as well as um, suppliers um, how to secure the vehicle. Thanks, Ramona. Jan, what are you doing with that scrim? Well, um, today I'm working, as you mentioned, as a lead product manager for IDPS. So what does this mean? Um, we created a solution which we call the intrusion detection and prevention solution. And this solution includes multiple products in the area of intrusion detection, as well as also services, as well as also managed services in terms of our vehicle security operation center, where we collect all this information and also have the um, right experts to do the analysis and um, yeah, trigger the countermeasures, basically. So that's what I'm doing today. Um, and I'm happy to do this since I had a chance to start with automotive security also almost uh, 10 years ago 
uh, during my university time. And then I got to know Ascript and had a chance to join them eight years ago, um, working there as a security consultant, project manager, also as a, as a group leader for some time of our security consultants. And uh, then I turned into the product world because I believe what we need to have is reusable products and services uh, to reach the economic of scale um, to, to make sure we can um, yeah, ensure all the vehicles on the street. And that's mean also our society is safe. Thank you so much. Wow. So both of you have more than 10 years experience. I guess we, we have invited the right people uh, for this episode. Um, let's hope so. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you so much. So let's start with a very basic question. Um, why do we even have Ethernet in the car? I mean, we know this or I know this from my laptop, from classical IT mm. security. So why do we even need Ethernet in automotive systems? So, well, um, when we have a look um, in the current um, vehicles uh, that um, uh, drive um, over our um, roads, uh, then we realize uh, that there has a, um, been a shift in um, vehicles. So, if we, um, so in former times, um, we have um, a very traditional meaning of driving um, just to come from one point to the other. But um, now we want to have more comfort. Um, we want to um, have um, assistance systems that helps us and for example, uh, to park in or um, something else. And um, these new use cases and um, business cases require um, enhanced um, bandwidth and enhanced data um, that is uh, communicated uh, within the vehicle. And um, these requirements of the new use cases, especially with regard to driver assistance functionality and um, automotive uh, autonomous driving and that stuff requires um, the um, integration of Ethernet as an additional um, bus system within the vehicle. Um, the reason is that traditional bus systems are not um, efficient enough um, to deal with these high um, data amounts and to um, provide the required bandwidth. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And I would like to amend there was multiple approaches to have, let's say, um, bus systems in the car or communication systems in the car having bigger bandwidths as well. Uh, so like I think on Most, uh, um, which was more dedicated for the multimedia and also FlexRay with the more safety approach. Um, but there is an issue if you if you use the technologies, they are very specific to automotive. And that means having them is quite costly because you need the right experts and they are rare. You need the right components, they are rare. And with the Ethernet, you can you can use a lot of the yeah, uh, economic scaling effects um, uh, from other industries to bring high bandwidths at a a uh, reasonable cost in, into the car. And so that all, I would say, the new use cases as described by Ramona, as well as the potential benefits also for, uh, yeah, for the economics uh, was really driving this introduction of the, of the Ethernet in the last years. Thank you so much. That was um, already really interesting. So the simple basic reason why we have automotive Ethernet is it was available in other industries and someone thought, hey, let's just use it, it's proven, um, we, we can easily transfer it, I guess. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think that was the, <laughs> the pretty simple understanding of a lot of people. So, okay, we have Ethernet at home, as you mentioned, in the laptop. So let's have it in the car. That's easy, right? And I think it turned out that it's way more complex um, to get it done for automotive. So there's a lot of non-security related aspects in that. And I think that will be not the focus of today, but um, also with respect uh, to security, you know? Yeah, that was what I was just thinking. I know it from my laptop again. I get a, a virus protection update, like, I don't know, twice a day or so. Um, how does these um, threats that we know from classical IT also go into the car? I can imagine picking a, a technology from a different industry and transferring it to, to automotive will also transfer all the threats and attacks we have in, in the classical IT system to cars. So can I just download a good, uh, I don't know, a manual online, how to hack Ethernet and then do it for my car as well. In general, um, this is right. So, of course, you need to adapt um, your attacks, um, for example, um, in order to... Um, Yeah, an attacker does not um, does not think, oh, I need to um, attack Ethernet. Um, but he, what he has in mind is um, that he want to attack a special function or something like that. So the goal of the attacker is um, even higher. But um, within the automotive um, use case, um, the risk is even higher. So um, if an, um, there is a manipulation within a vehicle, it could be that there is a um, that the driver gets hurt or something like this. And this ma makes it um, really important and crucial to implement security mechanisms against these attacks. Um, in general, of course, um, very similar attacks can be um, executed as um, for the classical IT. And um, these attacks are, as you mentioned, um, publicly available. And Yes, there exist some um, kind of manuals of how to perform kind of um, denial of service attack or how to hack an outdated um, security protocol or something like that. So this could be done within the car as well, but with a highly um, enhanced and um, yeah, higher risk. Mm. Yeah, the impact is definitely higher. And um, what I also recognized, uh, maybe Ramon as well, she worked with a lot of our uh, colleagues in that area also, is um, that uh, basically the complexity of the Ethernet and IP stack is very huge. Yeah? And um, my feeling was that a lot of the... Um, Yeah, um, automotive industry underestimated the complexity of the stack compared to other communication stacks, which we had before, like, like CAN, for example. And um, that, let's say, this complexity and also the amount of software which is needed to realize that introduces new attacks. So um, I fully agree. Um, the, the one thing is you can easily transfer uh, attacks between industries using the same technologies. And then uh, there will be even new attacks because people, mm, yeah, let's say, did a mistake by implementing first time because they underestimated the complexity of that. Mm -hmm. Wow, very interesting. Um, so we, we already jumped very deep into threats and attacks. Um, before we, or before I would like to come to some solutions to that, I, I would have a question. How does automotive Ethernet affect the EE architecture? Um, Ramona was mentioning before that Ethernet was introduced mostly to allow and enable more comfort feature assistance uh, systems, stuff like this. 
So I would assume um, today it's more a mixed um, bus EE architecture. So probably we have the CAN bus still for more classical features, then maybe Ethernet for more um, driver assistance comfort features. Um, how, how does a typical EE architecture look like today? Is, is my assumption correct or is it even um, different? So there is a um, current um, change within the EE architecture. So you're completely right. Um, currently, there is a kind of mix of um, or in current produced vehicles or um, developed vehicles, um, there is a mix of um, different um, network systems. And um, Ethernet was introduced, as I already mentioned, um, due to new use cases and new features that we um, should support, um, as for example, autonomous driving. And these features and new use cases also makes it um, or requires a change within the EE architecture um, itself. So there will be more Ethernet. Um, yes, uh, that's right. Um, but from my point of view, um, the traditional bus systems will not die in the near future. <laughs> so there will be always, or um, in the next uh, 10 years, I expect that there will be the mix between traditional CAN um, bus systems, as for example, CAN and Ethernet. But mm. there will be in future EE architectures, there will surely be um, distinct communication channels uh, that use Ethernet only. Yeah. Um, so I would say absolutely. And um, uh, what came into the picture uh, additionally with the Ethernet is that it allows us more flexibility in the, in the EE architecture. So um, the first applications had been really only in the areas where this was super needed, like camera connections or so, no? um, where we need this high bandwidth. But now we, we have the flexibility to build new EE architectures, like, for example, connecting multiple vehicle computers with, a, with an Ethernet-based backbone or so, or even looking into the central um, and no the zone based architectures where we have like the the features more distributed across the zones in the vehicle which gives good uh, savings in in cable and wiring uh, things in a car which is also an interesting goal to reduce the carbon dioxide as well as the pricing so um yeah, I would say it was not only needed the Ethernet, but now it also pushes the industry into new uh, um, or enables at least new uh, directions for the EE architecture. But um, I would absolutely like to support the, the topic from Ramona. So there is people thinking that the that all the other protocols like CAN or LIN will be gone. I don't think so. Actually, I really believe, as Ramona said, it will be a mixture because uh, there are certainly applications where you don't want to afford the, the cost of Ethernet and you're still fine with LIN or with, with CAN. And having the perfect mixture, this will give you the best engineered car in the future. Uh, that that totally makes sense. Um, even with me not having the the insight into the um, the the Ethernet landscape that you have, I, I think keeping complexity low for some use cases totally makes sense. Um, this brings me to to something else you said. So you said we will have probably different bus systems to increase the flexibility. Um, but also that the amount of Ethernet will become more and more inside a car. So having this flexibility and um, within the EE architecture, I can imagine this also leads to an increasing complexity within EE architecture, having a, a mixed um, 
like mixed bus system, multiple bus systems, and uh, how we, or as we know from other areas, increasing complexity usually also means increasing security threats. Would this be also true for, um, for a scenario like this? Yeah, you're completely right. So, um, in fact, it's um, even more worse. <laughs> Let me um, <laughs> say it like this. So, um, you mentioned only the different bus systems and the um, different uh, complexity um, of the management of different bus systems. But um, even the communication um, principle itself and paradigm um, itself changes. So, um, in traditional um, Net automotive networks, um, everything was more or less static. So that means um, there was a pre-configured um, communication that is allowed or is not allowed in traditional systems. But um, with the integration of Ethernet, um, this um, supports the introduction of service-based communication as we know it from the internet. And um, this makes the management of an EE architecture and the in-vehicle communication even much more complex. And um, these um, service-based um, communication also offers additional threats um, that are possible um, from the classical IT um, and now to be exploited within the vehicle. Okay, this um, is very scary. So I'm glad we have experts like you that can hopefully tell us a little bit of about how to secure against these threats. Um, one question I'm particularly interested um, is we talked earlier about introducing well-known Ethernet threats from classical IT to cars, but there are also protection mechanism in mechanisms in classical IT security, like TLS, for example. That's the, the, the most basic one that I know. Um, so is it also easy, or maybe the question is more, is it easy or not to, to transfer these well-known well-established protection mechanisms from classical IT also to a car? <laughs> Implementing security mechanisms uh, within the car may not be easy at all <laughs> or um, right um, straightforward. Uh, let me tell it like this. Um, but I know what you mean. Um, so this is a um, good question. And um, the answer answer is, um, in general, um, similar mechanisms can be implemented within the vehicle, um, that's right, as, for example, TLS. There are other mechanisms as, um, for example, IPsec or MacSec, um, but these um, mechanisms um, need to be transferred within the vehicle. So that means we need to ensure that the in-vehicle requirements are fulfilled as, for example, the high real-time um, requirements and uh, timing constraints. And um, therefore, um, it is possible um, to implement these mechanisms, security mechanisms within the vehicle, but we need an adaption according to the automotive requirements. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so first of all, no, there's hope. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely can build secure cars also with Ethernet, and uh, that's good. Um, and the point here is uh, exactly as as Ramona mentioned, we need to adapt this to the automotive environment. And that was also a bit what I meant uh, by talking earlier about that there was an underestimation because, um, as you said it right, Karina, uh, um, there's for example transport layer security, the TLS which we all know from our online banking and we all believe it's pretty simple. So why should it not be that simple in a car? And Ramona mentioned some of the very huge constraints which make it complex to have it applied in the car out of the box. So actually it's very specific what we do in the car here. Even the protocols are basically fundamentally the same. Um, and another uh, point which I would like to mention is uh, the um, uh, the key management for such kind of cryptographic mechanisms, which also needs to be totally look different in the car and which needs to be fully automated because nobody wants to enter a password or a, or chip card uh, uh, to, to, to start the system in the car, yeah, and which also needs to be uh, totally reliable. Huh? If our security reduces the reliability or may even impact the safety of our vehicle, that's not acceptable. Yeah. So therefore, um, there, there's definitely a lot of work to be done. And uh, yeah, to be honest, that, that's the fun of yeah, thinking about how to get it done in a car. Yeah, and um, that's true for our crypto products, but for sure, um, also for other solutions, uh, which more goes into the network management and, and firewalling and so on. Mm -hmm. So I can, um, from the from what you said, I get the assumption that we will have to find good trade-offs here. What is usually also the case for other security topics? Um, when we talk to our customers. Big concerns that I always hear is the microcontroller or microprocessor mm. size, the chip size, memory, um, performance, stuff like this. And of course, our classical IT devices are way more powerful than um, an ECU or can at least be more powerful with a smaller amount of, of money um, because we just don't have this, this high cost pressure. So mm -hmm. um when we think about this, like we have to find a trade-off between requirements, vehicle requirements and security requirements. I guess it's also it also holds true for, for automotive Ethernet that we need to find trade-offs in the security level. So are there mechanisms? Um, and Jan, I apologize, I already know the answer because you are the <laughs> product manager for, for IDPS. But um, no, then somebody else should answer to have it an honest <laughs> answer. Huh? <laughs> um, so we need to have several layers of security also for Ethernet. Um, that, that might come naturally because Ethernet is a layered protocol or a layered, um, I don't know how to say it, it has layers. But um, we cannot secure it 100%. So we need other mechanisms and other tools inside the car that can help us to, to secure it. Is that correct? Um, and then would you like to, to explain something about how an IDS or IDPS um, can help to enhance the security of, of Ethernet architectures? Sure. So um, let's say I, I believe really the IDS and IDPS is actually also 
um, relevant for sure also for the uh, classic networks. Yeah, so uh, already on CAN we had uh, to make compromises. Uh, for example, applying cryptography was not always feasible, and here also um, the IDS is helping a lot already to to basically balance the risk um, and uh, versus what we can afford in uh, in terms of security mechanisms. But yeah, on the Ethernet it's the it's the very same. So um, the good thing is we are in a situation where also new components are integrated into the car. And uh, some of the new components, or actually the new component, I would say, for Ethernet is the Ethernet switches. And the nice thing with these Ethernet switches is that they are, I, I would call at least some of them smart switches. And that means they have um, some hardware acceleration features and they have some CPUs or some com computing power inside of the switch. Um, and what we can do here is we can put parts of our security functionality, meaning um, especially firewall functionality, but also IDS functionality into this uh, um, components. And that gives us the opportunity to solve some of the Ethernet related security questions already inside of this component and don't load this additionally to our small microcontrollers or even the microprocessors, even they are bigger, they are very quickly filled with stuff. So um, that, that really gives us the chance to balance. So that's things you can do also um and that's basically uh the script approach is finding um let's say um, most efficient implementations so like for example thinking about what kinds of um protection mechanisms can be implemented in so-called rules which can be easily implemented in small components and and with a high performance engine and only with small ram and rom needs and um so that is, that is basically the areas which we can use to to make an um yeah most efficient and also cost efficient uh, uh, solution. Um, thank you so much. So you're saying by, um, by implementing and adding new solutions that are evolving from the automotive Ethernet um, technology, like the smart switches, um, by integrating these components to the EE architecture, we can take away the pressure from, from other devices when it comes to memory and stuff. So for me, that sounds... Well like an easy yes <laughs> yes but uh, don't uh, let's say uh, having this uh, the components itself is, is for sure not sufficient you also need to have the software on it to make it really useful no uh, so uh, it's really a combination of hardware and software make a good decision on your hardware platforms uh, having the security in mind and then have on top the software uh, to to get the optimal solution I think very important point is also that um, security is addressed um, at the very beginning of the design of an EE architecture. So it makes um, or it's um, very hard to implement security mechanisms at, um, like this that address um, the hardware or the software um, if the project is um, shortly before the end uh, or the vehicle um, should be produced in only a um, few um, months or something like that. And um, that is why we as Scribd um, try to support our customers right from the beginning so that they address um, security at the very beginning phase of um, project um, so that um, these decisions um, can be taken um, just in time. That is a very important point, and thanks, Ramona, for, for mentioning this. Um, we also had it in one of our last episodes. Uh, it is very important to think early about security to make it as cheap and as efficient as possible. Um, so I, I think this is something that we uh, cannot stress 
often enough um, to to make people think about this. And I also think if you start to think early about it, then all the the threats and challenges we we discussed today are not that um, they are still a big hustle, but there is a solution to it, right? As Jan said, there is hope. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So. Sure. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, not only hope, we are confident, yeah, so I mean, uh, we are, we are uh, for sure we see the uh, first vehicles on the street with, with the Ethernet, uh, some of them have been secured uh, by our solutions and uh, yeah, definitely it's absolutely feasible also for, uh, yeah, uh, for an economically reasonable uh, price and uh, yeah, in time to, to get it done, yeah, but you need to start early as Ramona said, definitely. So from all these discussion, what I am now very curious um, about is Ethernet in automotive seems to be a very powerful um, technology that we, we introduce or that OEMs already started to introduce. So from your point of view, where do you think Ethernet can take us in the future? Uh, can we expect any new fancy features that, that need Ethernet to be enabled? Can you maybe give a little outlook what your opinion is for the future of automotive ethernet so i think um some points we already mentioned so this is um the autonomous driving of course so this use case um uh, will really benefit um the integration of ethernet um within the vehicles um it required um requires it because um there is uh, so much um data from cameras from the surrounding and the environment that needs to be processed and um but uh, there will be other um interesting futures um in the future um so that a driver um gets more information about what is going on within the vehicle so um that he uh, can interact with the vehicle um with his uh, smartphone or something like that there are other um, use cases um that are based on autonomous driving as for example autonomous valid parking or something like that and we at Ascript has a lot have a lot of experience in um, the development and the um, uh, ongoing discussions um, with regard to these use cases with um, OEMs as well as suppliers. Yeah, and uh, I would also come back to something which I mentioned earlier, the, the so-called zone-based architectures. This is something which I'm really looking forward to. Um, maybe as, a, as an, uh, a driver, I will even not recognize that my EE architecture changed in that way, um, but it changed and this enables us uh, to, yeah, as mentioned, save uh, wires and make the system also more robust. Um, and uh, this will this will lead, uh, let's say, yeah, to some some cost savings. That's on the one hand side, but on the other hand side, uh, the car will be more lightweight. And uh, having a more lightweight car is very much helpful, especially if you think about e-mobility, like uh, the electric-driven car, where every kilogram which you have on board is is actually a problem. Yeah, and uh, so therefore, I would say automotive Ethernet can also help us to be, yeah, more efficient uh, with respect to the emission of carbon dioxide, drive longer distances with our batteries. And so um, really, let's say, has benefits, I would say, even on the ecological side. Thank you so much. So I, I'm excited to face a, a very um, interesting future with, with automotive Ethernet and um, e-mobility is also a very hot topic. Um, 
maybe we will have an episode about this topic as well in the future. Why not? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, having having uh, automatic charging cars is also in the security topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should we should bring this back to our um, podcast organization committee. Um, that would be all from my side so far. Uh, I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Um, I uh, we we started with learning about. Um, why we even need automotive Ethernet. You talked about the shift in the industry. We, we are adding more comfort feature, more assistance systems. Um, and with that comes the challenge to include more, more bandwidth um, and more, more data that needs to be transferred. So I understood that this is the reason why we even came, not we, but, but why people came um, to the idea that, that Ethernet is a good technology to be introduced into cars. Um, we talked about the higher risk of, of security, transferring well-known, well-documented classical attacks on Ethernet to the car, but then also dealing with the challenge of a higher risk here when it comes to safety, people might die, um, maybe even a higher um, complexity because the well-known mechanisms have to be adapted to fit automotive requirements. Um, we, we talked a lot about the EE architecture and how diverse it, it is today already and will even be in the future. So I think, Jan, you said you are sure that um, the, the classical buses will, will never go away, or at least not in the foreseeable future, they won't go away. Um, we talked about hope and the solutions that are out there to protect against these, these threats. So I, I feel a little bit better now um, about my new cars that, I, that I'm going to buy in the future um, and about what needs to be done um, with security concepts, um, having a good hardware software co-design, making sure you pick the right hardware early on, early on in the development process, but you also um, design your software in a good way that goes to maybe even new hardware features like smart switches, um, and that you, again, think about security very early in the beginning. I'm also very excited for the future. Um, autonomous valet parking sounds very convenient. Um, we are all excited to see autonomous driving cars rolled out on a big scale. Um, and yeah, so did I miss anything? Or is there anything you want to mention what you think is very helpful for our listeners or for me? I know, Karina, you did a pretty much good summary, I think, of the things we talked about the last 30 minutes. So it was a pleasure, actually. Yes, thank you very much. Um, great. Then thanks again for being my guests, uh, Ramona and Jan. It was a pleasure to, to talk to you. Um, I learned a lot, so I'm really excited. And I hope our listeners learned a lot as well. Um, this is the conclusion of our Automotive Ethernet episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. And I hope you will listen to us again in our next episode. Thank you for joining this episode of Automotive Cybersecurity Talk. Please leave a comment or review with your feedback or what you'd like to hear in future episodes. To learn more about vehicle cybersecurity and S-Script's capabilities, visit our website at sscript.com. That's S-Script, E-S-C-R-Y-P-T dot com.